As you, you may know, or I don't know how aware of these things you are. I don't remember if I've told these stories to you or not, but Holly and I and our family, we've had an interesting history when it comes to how we moved from different churches. Uh, we've had some very interesting things happen. When we moved from Ripley to Pedal, we weren't expecting to move. And I'd actually had gallbladder surgery that day, that week rather. So I'm laid up in bed, kind of nursing my wounds from gallbladder surgery, and the DS calls me, and we chat for about 15 minutes. He says, do you want to hear about your appointment? I said, what do you mean, hear about my appointment? He said, well, you're going to pedal. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I text Holly in all caps, call me now. <laughs> to which she replied, are you okay? Because remember, I just had surgery. Are you okay? I said, yes, I'm fine. She texted back, where are we moving? You know, just kind of the way it goes, you know. When we moved from pedal to here, pedal had a housing allowance. We had a housing allowance up here, so we had to. I tell people, friends of mine that have moved to churches that have houses to say, hey, man, buying a house is fun. Selling a house, not so much. So we had about a few-week period here where our house in pedal had not sold yet. We had our house here, so I text my banker down there in pedal. I said, hey, man, thanks for helping me achieve my goal of owning a house in two different cities. Please sell it, you know. But one of the most interesting is when we, our, our first move from the Delta over to Philadelphia, Holly was literally, the due date for Sarah was our first Sunday there. So she didn't move with me. We, I pulled out of the parsonage because, you know, you got parsonages, you got to be out by noon so they can be in by one. So we pulled out and I drove over to Ruval. You know where Ruval's at? I dropped her off with some buddies of mine and said, okay, call me when something happens. And I head on down to Philadelphia because I had to get there, you know. And so uh, she calls me and everything happens. But um, the thing about it was, is we knew, obviously, when the baby was here, was going to be born. So when we went for our covenant meeting with the church, the SPRC took us over to the parsonage. And she had her notebook with her, had a legal pad. She'd go to every room and she'd just sketch out the room. Okay. And go to this room and this room. what she was doing, she was visualizing where everything would go. Sarah was born there, so we had to get a nursery ready. So she went into a room and said, okay, we can put the baby bed there and put this there. And she, she had it all drawn out. So when we moved, I had, even though she was stuck in the Delta in Ruval, I had her, her uh, notebook full of where everything was supposed to go. So we unloaded the truck, and I said, okay, that's this that goes in this room. And that's this, and that goes in this room. And we literally had the house put together. We had the nursery put together. And so when we got home the next week... We had it all ready. But that only happened because she could see what was not there. My brain doesn't work that way. I, I can't. I can't always see the things that are not there. You know, we see that in the text, the two stories we read today, two interesting stories. First, we see Jesus feeding the crowd. And he... In Galilee, where he was, there were no super Walmarts. There were no McDonald's. There was no way to eat. And every little house and every little village would have had enough food for themselves, for their family. They would not have had enough food to feed a crowd like that. And the disciples, if you very much like we were this morning sitting up, we're running around going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, typical move. And Jesus is like, guys. Give them something to eat. He's like, we can't, what are you talking about? There's them and like 12 of us. What are we going to do? All we got is this loaf and this fish. What, what, what? 
Jesus took the fish and the loaves and blessed it. One of my favorite verses on the Bible, they ate and were filled. Yeah, you don't just pull away from the table, you're not full. You eat till you're full. They ate, they were filled. And there were 12 baskets left over, 12 being symbolic for the completeness of God. Jesus saw what could be. We see in the second story, walking on water. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me to yourself. Lord says, come. And Peter's like, whoa, whoa, this, you for real? This is what? Uh-uh-uh. It starts going down. But Jesus said to Peter, come. Come to me. Walk to me. Most of us don't walk on water. One of my favorite quotes ever was by a football coach in Detroit who the media didn't like. He said, if I went across, the, if I got out tomorrow and walked across Lake Michigan, the newspaper would read, Wayne Fonts can't swim. You know, most of us don't. Most of us don't walk on water. But Jesus said, come. Come to me. And he did. Now he got tripped up later, but he came. Jesus saw. Jesus saw that which was, which was possible. He saw that which was possible. People ask me sometimes, hey, do you know my preacher? Do you know brother so-and-so or reverend so-and-so? I want to say, yeah, there's, Methodist preachers are a small pond. There's not a lot of us. We know each other. And there was a man who was very influential in St. Matthew's, who's been very influential in my ministry twice, Hank Winstead. Hank was the pastor at Wesley. When Wesley closed and rechartered at St. Ma- Matthew's. And Hank, and those of you that came here from Wesley, saw that which was not, but that which could be. You were not defined by what you saw with your physical eyes, but you saw the reality that God could create in ways that the human eye or the human mind can't even fathom. You saw that which could be. And so Hank did that here, but Hank also did this. My church in Petal, Asbury. It was a church plant. Individuals from Petal were praying about what to do. And they went to Hank and said, Hank, what do we do? And Hank said, we can start your own church. They said, we can? Yeah, we got laid on Highway 42. Why don't you start one there? So two churches that I've had the pleasure of serving my ministry were were, were shepherded and birthed by Hank Winstead. He had the power to see that which was not, but yet that which God could see. You know, we're talking about these marbles. And y'all, I want you to hear me. These marbles, these 52 marbles, if you are not careful, they can trend into legalism. Because who amongst us has free time? You know, and, and the last thing I want you to take away when we do the marbles is, oh, the church is asking for one more thing. I don't have time for one more thing. I can't do one more thing. And now you want me to add to my schedule, which is packed to the gills, one more thing. I can't do one more thing. If we're not careful, that's what we'll take away. What I'm not asking you to do is to become more busy. If anything, I want you to be less busy. What I want you to do is to see as God sees. 
to see the things that are there that you might not see. To see the fact that the most important time in your life might be that time around the dinner table, which you got to eat anyway. The most holy interaction you may have in your life may be being nice to the cashier at Walmart. The most important thing you may do in your life is not gossip about a coworker you don't like. You need to see that which is not there. To see as God sees. To see the potential in yourself. To see the potential in your family. To see the potential in the ordinary, everyday things that God wants to redeem. Church, we're not trying to make you more busy. We're trying to help you see the holy in everyday life. So what glasses are you wearing today? What do you see? What do you see? God sees potential. God sees life. God sees hope. God sees goodness. God sees redemption. God sees the fact that we can do great things, that we can be faithful, that we can change our world, that we can bring redemption, that we can bring hope, not by ourselves, but by his power and his grace. But that only happens. That only happens. That only happens when we are faithful with that which we do have control over. I'm not asking you to get busier. Hear me, church, don't take that away. But what I am asking you to do is to submit your life to Jesus Christ and figure out what his priorities are. If they hadn't handed Jesus the loaves and fishes, the crowd wouldn't eat him. Jesus had to have something to bless. If they hadn't handed it, they wouldn't eat him. I'm not asking to be busier, but I am asking to be faithful, to come to the table. Because here's the thing. As we said last week, why do you labor for that which does not fill you? And why do you spend your money on that which is not food? There is life that awaits in Jesus Christ. But we've got to come to the table. We've got to come to the table. We've got to prioritize. We've got to see. As Holly could see, the nursery needs to go here, and the bedroom needs to go here, and this needs to go here. And I'm like, what? We have a nursery? God can see. God can see potential in you. God can see redemption in your family. God can see hope in your life. God can see peace across the board. God can see these things. Do you see it? It may seem hard. It may seem impossible. It may seem too much. But God will make a way. He fed the 5,000. Peter walked on water. God will make a way. Today, church, Will you come to the table? Will you come to the table? 
Will you come experience the life that Jesus Christ wants you to have? Will you come to the table? I used to, um, my home church had these, um, some of y'all remember those little 3D things, little 3D posters you put on the walls and you'd stare at. You're supposed to see something. Y'all remember those? There's nothing there. I promise you. Those things exist for one reason, and that's so you look stupid. Because you're going to sit there and you stare. Nothing's there. there somebody's filming you, putting it on Facebook like, look, he's dumb. You know, I'd, you know, I'd, so I'd, I'd stare. I'd, I'd stare forever. I didn't see. I'd take my glasses off. I'd put my glasses on. I'd slap myself. Nothing. Didn't see anything. Till one day, finally, I saw it. And it jumped out and hit me in the face. Whoa, that's been there the whole time. I just didn't see it. God's grace, God's life, God's purpose, God's hope has been there the whole time. We just need eyes to see what God sees. When we do our part, God will take care of the rest. God will make a way. Let us pray.